Hello and welcome to the Money Mitch Effect. As always, I am your host, Money Mitch, Mitch Michaels. Great show planned for you today, our third show of the week. It's Friday and we are going to go out with a bang. Got George Pinozian to talk NBA action. We'll talk Warriors, we'll talk Cavs, Clippers even, some MVP picks, and get George's thought on the ATP Tennis World Finals this weekend. And then Anthony Germain is going to come by to discuss Week 10 NFL lines, some interesting betting propositions. If you're into that sort of thing, I don't know, some delicious ones. We're going to dive into all that. It's the Money Mitch Effect, third show of the week, 24th show overall. Black Mamba, hey, here we go. Let's start the show. All right, joining the Money Mitch Effect, reoccurring guest, friend of the program, George Pinozian, via Skype. George, the gambler, back on the show, and the gambler. I think this is your first appearance since you uh, since you hit the big three zero. So congratulations on becoming our oh, man. Thank you. So now we're gonna go into NBA. I know we normally talk tennis, but NBA season is already fully upon us. We didn't do an official preview, but. We're going to try to make up for lost time here, a couple weeks into the season. And George, you know the big story to come out of basketball over the summer and into the season. The Warriors signed Kevin Durant. They've lost a couple games. They've looked dominant at times. But George, looking at Durant, who's, if not the best player, top two or three in the league, playing with another top two or three guy in Steph Curry on a loaded team, what do you think about this impact Durant going to a team that was already loaded before he got there in Golden State? Well, it's interesting. Yeah, you, definitely these players, they're adapting their games kind of to, to make every, to make it work. Yeah, they've had a couple losses, but that's, that's a, okay. It's normal. They're going to have to go through some losses in order to figure out what their new roles are going to be. I think the most interesting thing that I've noticed from the Warriors this season is the amount of shots that Draymond Green is taking every game. If you notice, if you look at his stats, he's shooting probably less than 10 shots a game mm-hmm. uh, this season, which is pretty low because somebody's going to have to give up shots. They have right. Durant, you know, all the guys. Clay's still shooting. Steph is still shooting. Durant's still shooting. So Draymond Green is really the guy that's kind of taking that hit offensively. But we all know mm-hmm. how much he provides, like, defense and leadership to the team. But uh, I, I think they're, they're going to be all right. I think they'll end up being first in the West. And... They're going to be probably the best team in the league come the playoffs. I still think they're the team to beat. I, I know they're going through a lot of changes, but to me, they're still they're still my pick for the championship this year. Yeah, you know, you touched on a lot of good points, and I think the first thing is it takes time. The Miami Heat, when they got the big three in 2010, they started out nine and eight out of the gate. Uh, it, I think you have to accept the yeah. fact that it's going to take. Sometime to fit in. What what's really scary? You said if Draymond Green accepts that facilitator role, if he accepts taking less shots, and I think he can shine very well as just the table setter, almost a triple double type player every game. That's going to make them more dangerous. And Steph and Clay and even Durant to some extent, they're willing to sacrifice for the good of the team. But in saying that, George, they're still able to get theirs. We saw Clay Thompson go crazy uh, just last night, I believe. Steph broke the three-point record in a single game, you know, after being held without a three-pointer against the Lakers the game before. So I think they're taking turns, they're understanding what the hot hand is, and that selflessness, which doesn't seem like a huge deal, is going to ultimately be, I think, a difference maker if they do win the title this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you kind of never really know, night in, night out, who's kind of going to be the hot guy. The only thing, though, with this team, and I, I wasn't a fan of the move, not just because, I mean, Durant's a grown man. He can go to whatever team he wants. I think it does dwindle down the league uh, competition at the top. You know, all the talent is uh, you know consolidated, so to speak. But the one area where I'd have concern with Golden State are their bigs, how they defend big men teams, pick and roll. I think that might be an issue. I, all due respect to Zaza Pachulia and David West uh, and McAdoo. The team can go small, but I don't know if they have the bodies to really bang around with some big teams, like maybe the Spurs or the Clippers in the West. Yeah, I mean, you make a great point, definitely. Um, you're forgetting about my boy, JaVale McGee, though. Uh-oh. And who's, uh... <laughs> you know, nothing makes uh, more sense than him being your boy. I just wanted to point that out. Time soon and just kind yeah. of shock, shock the league. Yeah, that makes perfect sense <laughs> that he's your boy. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, they are pretty small, definitely. But, you know, they've done that the past couple seasons, and they've proven that they can still win like that. They are kind of small, definitely, that, like, you're playing an aggressive team, and even just playing the Spurs the first game, it was really evident that they were struggling down low in the paint and, and defensively and offensively. And and I, I think Kerr will realize it eventually, maybe, and, and he'll start playing some of his big men a little more often. Yeah. I just wonder, they might want to tweak the roster if it's possible. I know they're, they're dangling under the cap, but maybe. We'll see what happens there. But they're still a juggernaut. They're still going to be tough to beat. Talking with George Pinozian on the Money Mitch effect. Are there any other teams, though, in the West that you think could potentially, I know it's a long shot, George, but challenge this Warrior team? Well, right now, early on in the season, you got to you got to bring up the L.A. Clippers because they look fantastic and defensively they look like a championship team. And I know the other day on SportsCenter we were laughing about how they were. They, they said how long until the Clippers messed this up. <laughs> they know the Clippers. They have the history of them and, and they've looked good before like this and haven't even been to the Western Conference Finals. So, yeah, Clippers are definitely one team. And the Spurs are interesting, too, with the amount of experience that they have on that team and with Kawhi Leonard just being an absolute beast and Popovich leading, coaching that team still. Definitely the Spurs, the Clippers, are I would say, are the top two teams that are going to be contending uh, with the Warriors. Yeah, I don't see anybody else in the West aside from those two teams. Uh, not necessarily. Not in a seven-game series. Yeah, no. the Thunder Rockets. I mean, the Thunder Rockets. Uh, I mean, I, I like the stories there. I just don't think they have the weapons. Yeah, you're right. The Clippers have a size, and the Spurs, with the experience and some size themselves, could make things tough. But it's going to be tough. You need the perfect storm. Both those teams have to be healthy. I say more so the Spurs and uh, the Clippers' big four. Both teams have weaknesses, though, that I think Golden State can exploit. San Antonio, not the most agile team. Kawhi Leonard notwithstanding, not the most athletic team in the NBA. Golden State could end up running them out of the gym like we've seen before. And for the Clippers, we talk about this all the time, George. They've got four good starters. They've never been able to figure out a fifth. Their bench has been kind of a joke in the last couple of years. I don't know how you beat Golden State with just four players. And I don't know if that's going to be the downfall again this year, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely before the season started, I, I saw Clippers didn't make enough moves in the offseason in order to strengthen their bench. But, you know, it's working. Whatever they're doing, it's working. Chris Paul is kind of playing out of his mind. Yeah. And he's playing, he's doing it on a nightly basis. Because Chris Paul has always been a great player, but now it's like every night he's just killing it. And Blake Griffin is playing well, and DeAndre is always going to play his role. And But Maurice Spates has been in, in a great guy off the bench that's really kind of lifted them, I think. Well, yeah, I just think, too, with this, with the Clippers, all due respect to Mo Buckets, I don't know how they're going to guard Golden State's wing players specifically. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. That's why I, I, I take Warriors to yeah. come out yeah. uh, of the West and to win the championship this year. And in the East, it's like, it's Cavs and it's not even close, so... Yeah, well, it's I mean, I guess, I guess it's close, but <laughs> so, I just still can't see anybody beating LeBron and the Cavs. No, that's a good point, and I wanted to segue right into yeah. that. The Cavs on the East, now they're looking to defend their title, and you're saying, and obviously I'm with you, that they're a tough team, and it's going to be tough for anybody in the East, but are you saying that the gap's wider than it was last year? Has it narrowed at all? Is it still Cavs and then a significant drop before everybody else? Mm, that's an interesting question. Because my take yeah, is I mean, that it's, I, I, it's I closer... Say- but not that close. Realistically, the two team, two or three teams that can compete against the Cavs come uh, deep in the playoffs are the Toronto Raptors and the Atlanta Hawks and maybe the Boston Celtics. Celtics have a great squad, but they're young, so I don't, I don't think they can. The Hawks are actually really interesting because Jeff Teague left and Dennis Schroeder is the main point guard over He's there now, who I love. and really fun to watch and the addition of Dwight Howard coming back to his hometown with kind of like renewed motivation to get his career back on track and Paul Millsap is always good and Kyle Corver is a good shooter and they have some pieces definitely. I think they're, they're kind of my sleeper pick to, to give the Cavs a hard time. The Raptors, they're still a solid team but I, I don't know, I just, I, I don't trust, I can never <laughs> trust them. 
I know they were close last year, but I I just feel like mentally that's really taking a toll on them. Even though DeRozan's playing absolutely uh, absolutely amazing this yeah. season, another leading L- the league in in scoring. Got a, got a shout out to another LA guy, the king of the mid range game, Demar Derozan. Yeah. You've always got, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got to respect what the Raptors do. I, I'm agreeing with you that I think that they're a little bit away, um, and it's hard to trust them to come out of the East. Hawks, good start notwithstanding. I agree there, 6-2, and two, but it's the fact that Dwight doesn't have to be the guy. And Schroeder, I know two yeah. left, but Schroeder could be an upgrade. It's possible. Schroeder's getting his chance to shine, and he could, he be, could be an upgrade. I just think Boston needs Al Horford to be fully healthy, fully engaged to see what this team is capable. Of. Definitely, yeah, since he's gotten hurt, banged up, they haven't been playing well. But you gotta you gotta look out for Jalen Brown in those short shorts and him just coming off the bench uh, and dunking. Yeah, man, and I love that guy. The uh, the only other team that I could say maybe has sleeper potential. I know it's early. Is the Pacers, Paul George's team? They've kind of built it around around him to a much lesser extent. To the Warriors, I think it's going to take some time to build. Whatever they have Absolutely. there, but you know it is the Cavs. The Cavs, it's their conference. The only thing you wonder about that team, obviously health. Kyrie, Kyrie still. I mean, last year he missed the first couple months, stayed healthy the rest of the way. But we've yet to really see him oh, play yeah. a full eighty-two. You know. Well, Kyrie is scary good, and yeah. he's only going to get better. And it's like he's still, he's still such a young player. Right. Like I think we all forget that. Just need to see him on the court for a full eighty-two, and he's just unbelievable when he's out there. LeBron, you wonder about if he's going to start saving. You know, is he getting to that point in his career? An all-time great player, George, but is LeBron getting to a point where he might be thinking, "I only have a few more years, a few more good, a good stretch left. Do I want to save up some of my energy?" And if that's the case, maybe they coast a little bit and don't win as much as we would expect them to do. For the Cavaliers, you're saying? Yeah, I mean, just look at Kobe is a good example because Kobe was. A guy that went, you know, all out and broke down. I think LeBron yeah. was thinking that in the back of his mind. I don't want that to happen. So they they might rest him more than we're accustomed to seeing. He might yeah. go out and there and not with That's okay. Yeah. They know that they can beat any team in the East in the seven-game series. Mm-hmm. So I think if they can do it, why not do it? Right. No, it makes sense. I just think you could get into the – we could be seeing a lot less LeBron than we have. I know he started off great. I don't know that he's aiming for another MVP. I think he's thinking about titles at this point in his career. I'll be interested to see what the bench looks like, though. They lost a few pieces, nothing too major, but the rumor about trading Shumpert is, is dangling out there because, you know, George, the financial side of it is the Cavs paid over $100 million in the luxury tax alone last year. So I think we might be wow. seeing some moves to cut some costs here. I know they have a lot of money, but, hey, it's, it's still pricey. Yeah, I mean, what what is uh, how much is Iman Shumpert getting paid? Shumpert's on a he's on a I think a ten year ten he's getting, you gotta always adjust this though he's getting about ten to twelve million a year obviously the, oh my god obviously, yeah so there you go obviously the money is is boomed up but look could you well, find yeah, somebody to do what Shumpert that, does no. could you find somebody to do what Shumpert does for a lot less probably. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I think that's where they're at. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him traded. But maybe they keep it together, want to ride this out. In the back of their mind, before we talk about some other teams, George, do you think the Cavs are thinking, okay, it's going to be us and the Warriors part three? I know it's so early, but do you think, uh, in your estimation, uh, it's on their radar? Yeah. Well, the Warriors want the Cavs, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think um, it would be a great NBA Finals if we saw a rematch of that because we know the Warriors such a disappointing ending for them to lose game seven at home they want revenge yeah and, and it would be fun to see see lebron you know probably the top five greatest top 10 definitely greatest player of all time kind of see what what he's got and I, like you said he, at this point in his career he's thinking he needs more titles in order to be in the category of being one of the greatest yeah i think too and agreeing off your last point the way the league's gone, you pretty much know that there's a high percentage chance that this is going to happen again. And the fact that they've won the last two titles, they've split the last two years, there's bad blood animosity between these teams. I think it speaks volumes for how competitive both these teams are. Yeah, they're absolutely thinking about each other. And uh, I think we could be just counting down the days until another edition of these finals. But you never know. 
You never know what could happen. Injuries could play a part. Other teams could come out of nowhere and make a run. Like if the if the Lakers were to surprise the world and make the final, oh no, so much. oh no, it would it would be good. It would be good for uh, for you in particular. Talking with George Pinozian on the Money Mitch effect. Two teams I want to get your take on George as we look at this 2016-17 NBA season that I can't really figure out in the East: the Chicago Bulls and the New York Knicks. They did a lot of interesting moves in the off season. Do you think either of these teams could be relevant come playoff time? To be honest, Chicago, the Knicks, definitely not. <laughs> I, the Knicks have definitely improved since last season, but they're still kind of figuring themselves out. And with Carmelo there, I don't really know if, if that's helping the team for him to be there or not because the best player on the Knicks is Porzingis. He's their best player, and I think everything should, the entire offense should be revolved around him. But Carmelo Anthony has his ego, and, and he sometimes wants the ball, so... It ends up being Sometimes. a little bit confusing when they're on the court. But the past couple games, Porzingis has really stepped up, and the Knicks have been playing better. And now they're giving him the feeding him the ball because he's just such a talented player and such a unique player, being seven feet tall and able to shoot and block and, and play the way he does. So the Bulls have improved too. Both of those teams have improved since last season. I think you know, adding Dwayne Wade. I know they lost like Joe Kim Noah, but Taj Gibson is playing better. Miritich is a um, special player in a way. I like the Bulls. You know, Rondo has been a little quiet this season, but I think they've uh, they've improved. And I don't think they can make noise in the East, but I think I can see them finishing like in around five, fifth place in the East. Yeah, I'm gonna say five. I'm gonna say I don't believe in either of these teams. The Knicks. You you hit the nail on the head. They're Porzingis should be the guy they built the team around, not the fourth or fifth option, which is what's currently yeah. happening. A lot of chaos in New York. Uh, with Rose, too, an interesting dynamic, too. Not really a distributor. You have Melo, who's a scorer. How is Porzingis going to get his shots or shots created for him? Uh, there, could be exactly. a, there could be a mutiny there before this year's over. A lot of chaos there. The Bulls, I like the additions. I think Wade still has something left in the tank. Obviously, I'm high on Jimmy Butler. But with Rondo, Butler, and, and Wade, that's not really good shooting. <laughs> they don't really have shooters no. in one to three. No. And I do worry that that's going to be their downfall, along with the fact that we got a lot of alpha males now on that team. Rondo, Wade, and Butler. Butler, who should be the, yeah. the face of the franchise. Hopefully Rondo doesn't have a Dallas episode. We saw how that ended pretty badly. Uh, so, I don't yeah. know. I don't think either of these teams are real threats just yet. I think they just tried... We're going to acquire talent and see if it works out, but in the NBA, the way things are going, I don't think that's the best way to do business. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if we talk about the West, one team we didn't really dive right into was the Oklahoma City Thunder and Russell Westbrook. His team now, they're 6-2. and two. They got beat down by the Warriors, but they've been able to roll off some wins uh, and start out pretty strong. You think this being yeah, Westbrook's team gives them a positive outlook on what they can do in the playoffs, or obviously the loss of Durant's going to hurt. Is it going to cripple them to the point where they're a non-factor? I think they're, they're still a pretty talented team, and especially having a player like Russell Westbrook who just gives 150% every single night. They're going to win games, though, because when you have that kind of energy and that kind of leadership in your point guard, it's going to motivate all the other players. And they still have um, Sabonis is, is one of my favorite rookies. And he has some moves and he's getting a, some playing time there. Cantor, you know, they still have some decent guys that, that are looking to kind of make their name in the NBA. And, yeah, I, I, they're fun to watch, you know, still. And I don't think that they can beat a really good team in a seven-game series. But on any, on any given night, you know, they could do it during the regular season. Yeah, anybody else but Westbrook. I would worry about the letdown here, knowing what's around him, knowing the lack of talent that just walked out the door. But Westbrook's unlike anybody else in the NBA in the sense that he doesn't care. He doesn't care who's playing with him, who's playing against him. He wants to just yeah. annihilate everybody in front of him and put on a show while doing it. Yeah. That, that is a very respectable quality in him, that he's just going to fight to the very end and go after it and get his. And I agree with you. I think the big man duo of... Cantor and Adams, very underrated. Sabonis was a good pickup. 
the trade for Victor Oladipo when they traded away uh, they traded away Serge Ibaka from the Congo all the way to uh, get Oladipo, and I thought that was a, a big deal even before Durant left. So they got a squad, and and they could get to the second round of the playoffs. It wouldn't surprise me, but they're going to meet their maker in the form of the Warriors or a Clippers or a talented team. Yeah, they 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 definitely have to try and strive for like a fifth or sixth seed in order to get to the second round. Right. I think there's something there, though. I think there's a a potential to build something. Oh yeah, absolutely. They have a lot of young pieces, and like you said, Stephen Adams is extremely underrated and. Yeah, sure, he's not the best offensive player, but defense, you know, he's he's great. And all the depot are another great pickup, so uh, they're fun. They're fun. I like watching them, and I love Westbrook's mentality on the court. So you have a guy like that, anything can happen almost. Always fun to watch the human highlight reel is Russell Westbrook. Talking with George Pinozian on the Money Mitch effect. All right, George, if I'd ask you right now who the MVP is going to be this year, or just, let's say, that's a hard one. Let's say give me top, your top three in no particular order fighting for the MVP. Well, we all know that MVP comes down really to the top two or three teams in the league. If, if you want my honest opinion I, on who I think actually uh-huh. is the most valuable player to their team, if you're not counting standings, I would say, I would say yeah. James Harden is okay. one of them. Russell Westbrook is one of them. LeBron James is one of them, and and it, depending on how the Clippers play, Chris Paul could be up there. If the Clippers end up like the first seed in the West, then Chris Paul is probably going to get the MVP. I would say, to, but, to that statement, I would say you have to be about top three in your conference, I think, and you'll have some leeway. Yeah, and, and James Harden is, oh my God. Yeah, I know. My reaction, and too. James Harden, the Rockets are and same for Westbrook. Right. You take both those guys out of their team, and there's just a completely different different kind of basketball that they play. Well, now we're getting into exactly value versus other things, and, and I hear I hear that 100%. I would say it's realistic. If the Rockets get a top three team, which isn't, isn't crazy, Thunder 2, you'd have Harden and Westbrook right at the top of that list. A guy that you didn't mention, Kawhi Leonard, I think, is right up there if the Spurs mm-hmm. are there, what they're going to ask him to do this year especially with Tony Parker right. missing some games. It's going to be tough for those Warriors to get it, though, George, because they're all they're all so good. How do you distinguish who's the reason why they're so dominant? I know. I know. It's, it's funny. That I didn't even mention one of the Warriors players because I didn't know who to pick between it, Durant or Curry or, or Green. It, that's interesting. I mean, the Warriors are not trying to go for 72 wins this season. So Durant, Durant's kind of a, my sleeper pick, I think, then. Right, if we're talking over ta- Curry, over Curry probably. Yeah, and I would say the same with the Cavs too. If Kyrie Irving is healthy and as good as we think he's going to be, he might take votes away from yeah. LeBron if they run away with the East. Yeah. You know, it just it works yeah. that way. So I think it's I think there's a wide open race this year. It's going to be fun to watch. If we really want to dive into deep sleepers like the real real great players that realistically don't have a good chance to win it, but should be great this year. Look at what Anthony Davis is doing. Look at what Carl Anthony Towns is doing. And another guy that I know you're a big fan of, the process in Philly, Joel Embiid, looks amazing after a couple games. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Well, he, he'll probably win Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I would. If he plays, he's got to be the Rookie of the Year, right? I mean, he's just that good. With he's no incredible. Yeah, he's, he's just <laughs> all the amount of moves that he has. It's like Seven three fadeaways from like twenty five feet away. He's a seven-three guard. It's uh, that's pretty much what he is. Yeah. Pretty dominant. But no, yeah. I think it'll be. I think we're shaping up to have a pretty competitive season. And if I had to pick one MVP right now, I'm still liking Westbrook. I think he can will them to a three or a four seed. And if he dominates wow. the year, if he if they're the fourth seed, George in the West, and he has an unbelievable year, I think he gets it. I know we're on the teetering yeah. of how good they are, but he's just been that good, and I think he can. I hope so. Maintain. I don't, I don't like the the idea that you, if you're not first or second on the West or East, then you're not an MVP uh, candidate. Oh, yeah, and I can't forget my boy uh, Damian Lillard, another guy I enjoy watching play. You know, oh, yeah, absolutely. How angry he is every time that he plays because everybody just overlooked uh, him his whole career. Yeah. And lastly, before we wrap up the NBA portion of this, George, I need to have your opinion on 
the current state of NBA contracts. We've seen just crazy people. And Cody Zeller just got four years, $60 million. When is enough enough? <laughs> like, I just, I, I, not, I understand that every player is entitled to what they can get and TV money's infiltrated the system. But what is happening? Well, yeah, you said it. TV deals that are being made left and right that is just making players just scream and shout the happiness because they're getting paid out. Definitely the past couple of years, I can only imagine what former players are thinking when they see, like <laughs> you said, Cody yeah. Zeller getting paid $60 million contract. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, these players are overpaid, absolutely. What is Cody Zeller even showing for him to deserve that kind of money? Well, you know it's a rough state of affairs when Del Vadova gets more money than Des Bryant gets. And that's where we <laughs> that's where we're hey, at. Man, you pick you pick the sport you want to play. So <laughs> There's some football. truth to that. There's some truth to that. The war on football and the reason why pe- football numbers are down might be kids seeing the contracts NBA players are making. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, George. Well, uh, I do need your take on one thing. Uh, who do you think is going to win the ATP World Tour Finals? Tennis's finale for the men's oh, Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that starting on Sunday. Barclays um, in London. Ah, that's interesting. Tasty, uh, huh? I haven't looked at the lines yet, but is. there might be some, my, uh, some my delicious pick ones. Novak Djokovic. Okay, ooh, interesting. I thought yeah. for sure you were yeah. going to go with uh, Andy Murray, but, who's playing but, the best. You know what? Game. I was, but I, I, think, I think Djokovic is still the best player in the world, if you ask me. I know Andy Murray's ranked one now, but Djokovic, if he. Gets his head right, and I know that's the question: is his head right? It is kind of nearing towards the end of the season. Yeah, you know what? He, why not? That's my pick. Okay. I think Djokovic is, is going to be. I think he all of the guys that he plays on in, in his group, like he's beaten all of them, right? He hasn't lost a single match to any of them. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. you know who else he hadn't lost a match Who's, to? Marin Chilich, and that happened last week. So, just. Just oh, throwing yeah. that out there. I'm, gonna, I'm yeah, going Murray. Right. I'm going Murray. I can't go against him. I want to say Stan, but it's not a major. Stan is not, I don't know if he gets up for this tournament. Uh, he can beat yeah. the best players, but I don't know that he will in a major, and it's Ron Robin. Uh, that might mess with his head, you know, the math involved yeah. there. Well, I think Djokovic wants to make that statement that now that he's not number one anymore and Andy Murray overtook him, he's going to be like, hey, guys, like, don't forget, like, I'm still the best player in the world. I hope so. so. I think that, that it's. Yeah, it just kind of remotivated him. I would hope it did. I just, I don't know. It's funny now we're getting to this point, George, where a couple months, or about a month ago, you were like, everything is fine, we're all good. Or is, is the seat heating up heating up a little bit? Uh, it's still only like three <laughs> or four bad months. You know, your okay. player can't okay. play perfect every, every single <laughs> okay. second of the year. So everyone has their ups and downs, and I think... This is just a down, yeah, sure, Djokovic is going through some personal issues, but he's human, so he'll bounce back, and I, I still think I'm not worried. Okay. We'll have to keep keep our progress report of the Djokovic meter. It's, it's still, we're still good then. It's good to hear. And uh, lastly, George, before I let you go, I would be, uh, I would be robbing our viewer, our listeners of an experience without telling them that we're in the midst of one of the biggest transformations ever. And I'm not talking about the presidential election. I'm talking about a 5-0 and fantasy football team that was destined for success that's now 5-4. and And it is your team, and uh, we're all keeping tabs on it, obviously. So what, what's going wrong, and why is there such chaos in George's fantasy team world? Well, I think you guys kind of all saw it coming. Even when I was 5-0, and I just constantly kept hearing how my team is not great. It shouldn't be 5-0. and It's, you know, lucky. And I could lose three or four games just like that. And guess what? I did. And and now all of a sudden I'm a little worried that I might not make the playoffs. You know, my team is kind of falling apart, to be honest. And I am getting a little worried, especially if I don't win this week. After I'm playing uh, Mike Hayson, and he put up like 130 points last week. So it's a big week, definitely. I just really need like a couple more wins to kind of sneak in there. Right. can't believe I'm even saying it like that because, <laughs> like you said, 5-0, and I was dancing in the hallways, yes. talking talking trash. So I guess I deserve it. But <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're um, able to. I'm, I'm a fighter, yeah. though, Mitch. I'm, I'm a fighter. You're a fighter. You're uh, a fighter, a singer, a dancer. 
and uh, a fantasy football <laughs> player. But no, I mean, multi-talented. I'm multi-talented. I'm glad you're able to admit that. I think you know you, you, it's just bad luck. You probably won some games you shouldn't have early, and it's evening out now where you felt like you could have yeah. won, and just your opponent went crazy. But one last thing though, yeah. how how worried are you of the possibility of losing out from five and zero? Because you're halfway there now. I know. Um, I mean, it, it'll be pretty embarrassing, but but what can I do, man? At the end of the day, I'm not performing. It's I have these guys that are performing for me, so it's it's luck. A lot of it's luck. Right. And Thomas Rawls, I've had a lot of a lot of hype on him, and he's taken forever to come back, and he's kind of like and tra- that trade and Tevin Coleman hurting his hamstring, wasn't able to start him the last two weeks. I lost to. Brett Danzer, who put up like 100, and who's the last place in our league and put up 121 points. Week four, Adam put Adam put up like 45 points combined with his defense and his kicker. Oh. You know, a lot, a lot of it's just like you said, just bad luck. But if you look at my squad, I am realistically probably a five and four team at this point in the season. Okay. And well. um, but I still think I can sneak in there. I, I trust my guys a little. But Travis Benjamin's gone down. Sterling Shepard's gone down. You know what, though? I think you, you, you touched on, and you pulled a quote out of Novak Djokovic, there's more to life than just tennis or fantasy <laughs> football. So I'm glad you put things into perspective for all exactly. our listeners. All right, George, thanks you for know? coming on. Appreciate right. you joining the show. Thanks. And uh, talking hoops and some other things as well. Yeah, thanks for having me, Money Mitch. Always fun. It's always good having George on the show, Baby Jordy, as he's known in the streets and in the recording boots. Knows his NBA stuff and uh, tennis always. And uh, yeah, George, just keep your chin up. You will bounce back or you'll lose every one of your last fantasy games, one or the other. All right, now it's time to talk Week 10 NFL Lions with Anthony Germain, my resident football point spread extraordinaire. Some interesting matchups this week. We're going to dive into all the grimy ones, to say the least. Some locks, some upsets. We'll get into all that and more. Here we go. Anthony Germain, Week 10 NFL Lions. You are listening to the sounds, the smooth sounds of the Money Mitch Effect. All right, time to talk NFL lines again. And with that, bringing back now officially a reoccurring guest, Anthony Germain. Anthony, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Of course. Glad to be back. Okay, so the last time we were here, we went over some picks. And I don't remember off the top of my head, but Revisionist History says we were right on everything. So we're, we're, <laughs> we, uh, we provide good sound uh, gambling advice. But before we get to week 10 of the NFL, college football, you're not the biggest college guy in the world, but every week you keep your eye on one or two lines that really jump out at you. This week, what's the one game, what's the one point spread you're looking at with the most confidence? Yeah, I've been keeping, I've been keeping an eye on the uh, college football games this week. I had a few I liked, but now I'm you know leaning away from, so I'm only going to go with one game that I feel confident in this week, and that is the Auburn Tigers. Okay. You know, that one has the most lopsided action in it. You're high on the Auburn train. I am. No, I, I think that's interesting. I think Auburn is playing very well. They started out slow. Are you concerned at all that last week, maybe they got it out of their system, maybe they didn't, but a seven-point win at home against Vanderbilt, driving late, needed that turnover in the red zone, that's not throwing you off at all? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, the fact that that happened and that the spread is, you know, that opened up at 10, they're favored by 10 in Georgia. Is it in? It's in Georgia, right? Yeah. In Georgia, they're favored by 10. Uh, it went up to 10 and a half. There's only 33% of the action currently being placed on this this team. Both of those things are, are red flags to me, and that's the one I'll be Looking to lock in this week. Looking Auburn here. Well, Georgia's not that good of a team either, so that helps the cause. Yeah, I, I think there's all actually some truth to the fact that a team that plays poor the week before could have just been getting it out of their system. And Vanderbilt actually beat Georgia, so yeah. who knows? I, I think there could be some truth there, but that's your college football game of the week. We'll have to monitor that. But hard to believe now in the NFL we're at week 10. It's been a crazy year. 
And before we get into the lines and some of our picks, the one theme for me, Anthony, has just been mediocrity across the board. I can't remember a year when there have been less really good teams, mm-hmm. only a couple. And I think the lines show that when it's been close every week, kind of unpredictable this year. Yeah, and even the teams with the best records, say, like in the NFC, like the Dallas Cowboys, they're, what, 7-1? Seven and seven and one. One. Yeah. Even they have their flaws, and they're not, they're not the clear dominant team that you would think teams are, like, you know, all that scared of. So, yeah, everything's wide open right now. All the, you know, spreads have been close this year. So we'll see, except for, you know, tonight's game, a 10-point spread. Oh, <laughs> That's yeah, probably the biggest good. one we've seen in a, in a little bit. Yeah, it was the, the game tonight with, we're doing, we're recording this on Thursday night, Baltimore, keeping the Browns winless. Second biggest line of the week. We'll get to the biggest later on, but yeah. it was a pretty clear one. Baltimore home. I guess the TNF game, you don't really know. In three days rest, anything could happen. Except mm-hmm. Anything could happen on Thursday Night Football, except the Browns win. I mean, look how close that game was at <laughs> halftime. It was 7-6, to six, and you know I have a lot of friends that thought the Browns were a lock. It's too many points, yada, yada, <laughs> yada. And Baltimore came out hey, second half. and You take the first half line on the Browns. Because <laughs> they actually have led at halftime a couple times yeah, this year. Yep. And they've gotten destroyed in every one of those games. All right, so what we do on the Money Mitch Effect is have a three-game system. We're going to adjust that for the uh, point spread portion of the show. We usually do a lock, a game closer than you think, and an upset. So we'll tweak that a little bit. But going into this week, Anthony, what is your lock? My favorite game of the week, I have to go with, I mean, I usually don't, do this with uh, way teams as lock of the week, mm-hmm. but I have to go with the Miami Dolphins getting four points in San Diego. Oh, Miami is your lock. Okay. Okay. So um, that's your lock. This is all based off of uh, statistical data right now. That line has opened at four. It hasn't moved. It's still sitting at Miami plus four, and you have only 16% of the action on this. Okay. San Diego's coming off, you know, that big win last week. And they're on a bit of a hot streak. A lot of people are talking about Phillip Rivers and his Hall of Fame potential right now. And usually when one team gets a lot of media hype, you yeah, get the other way. I will spin the zone this one way. San Diego, unpredictable. They don't really have a home That's field it. advantage. Mm-hmm. They just lost a vote to keep a, a publicly funded stadium in San Diego. San, and San Diego actually has one of the worst home field advantages oh, in the NFL. Yeah, just listen to any game. There's but, a ton of the other fans. But not there. just not just according to their fan base, but Vegas, you know, they say the general home field advantage is worth three points. And with San Diego it's actually only worth one and a half points. Interesting. So that is a that is a fun fact right yeah, there. Yeah, and some teams are worth more points. Lambeau, Seattle, and New England are uh, typically given four points. Oh, okay. I'm going to go, man, I'm feeling a little froggy for my lock this week. And this is something I hate to do. But I think there's only one team in the NFL that the Browns could beat. And I don't care how big the line is. I think Arizona is going to cover a two-touchdown spread against San Francisco at home. When you consider, and I normally never do this, when you consider that San Francisco's run defense is historically bad, it's around 180 yards, 170 yards a game. Mm-hmm. And here comes David Johnson One and company. Best, best in the league, yeah. I, I just, I know it's a big point spread. I know this game could be close to tied at halftime. But you've seen what San Francisco's done in the second half of the last couple of games, and it's been putrid. I like the Cardinals in the desert. Their seasons, I mean, they're getting down to the point where they have to start winning these games. They want to be a, a serious threat. And I like Arizona to win this one. Well, you're not alone. 73% of the action is on Arizona. I have to think the public and the pros like this, considering the live movement. See, we got it open here at 12.5 points, and it's moved to 13.5 points. I like where that spread is. I can see this game, them winning by more than that, like a 31-10 to type game. Right. You know, Chip Kelly doesn't seem to fare well against dominant or good teams. He'll hold his end against a team like the New York Giants. But when it comes to a team like Arizona, Bruce Arians, well-coached team, he always tends to get whooped up on. So yeah, I don't, And the roster is just thin. I mean, it is uh, a super thin, thin roster. Chip Kelly's not made for the NFL much longer. No. Oh, okay. I, I, I so. should, 
For those that don't remember, and that's you are not, an Eagles fan. Well, that's not because, just because of <laughs> I have to keep pointing that. No, it's funny because every time I get somebody from Philly on, whether we're talking college, pro, even NBA, it always comes back to, man, those Niners are bad. How about Chip Kelly? <laughs> so, okay. No, that's, uh, that's good. So now we're going to move on to what the close line of the week is. What I mean by that, we adjust this from game closer than you think. This is your pick for the line that you think is right on the money, could go either way, a coin flip really. One that Vegas absolutely nailed. What is it for you? Yeah, for that one, I have to go with the Dallas and Pittsburgh game. The line, the line was set right at three. Although I think Pittsburgh's due for a big offensive game, and they could probably do it against Dallas. I also think Dallas will put up points. So I think this one's going to come down to the fourth quarter. It's going to be neck and neck. This one's really tough to call. It looks like a lot of the money right now is going on Dallas. But again, this is you know this is the closest one, and uh, you know I probably won't be touching this one. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think you have a Pittsburgh team that played so poor last week, but mm-hmm. Roethlisberger was coming back banged up, probably a little too early. You weren't really sure what you're getting. A divisional matchup that's just hard blue collar football. Dallas is good. We don't still. I mean, we still don't know how good, like you said, because we don't know how good any of these teams are. Right. This would be a very impressive, maybe the most impressive win if they go into Pittsburgh and beat this team. So I agree with you there. I looked at a couple of these lines that are intriguing, but the one that makes the most sense to me, given how the teams are playing, given the importance of the game, and what's at stake, I really like the three-point favorite Carolina hosting Kansas City. You think about the records, but this is when it goes more than that. Carolina is starting to get back to their identity. Kansas City is a team that has a good record, hasn't really beaten a lot of the best teams this year. And I think Vegas, and rightly so, Anthony doesn't really trust Andy Reid and Alex Smith on the road going into Carolina. You know, this is one of those games where everybody's starting to realize that Carolina is starting to, you know, quote-unquote, come back into form. But I don't know if I necessarily believe that yet. Who did they play last week? It was... Last week they had the Rams. They beat the Rams. But in a very well close, contested, ugly, yeah. ugly game. Right. So, you know, they got the win, and they pushed last week, actually. I had hey. some friends that weren't too happy about that. <laughs> but I'm not sold that they're completely back yet. I just think this is a down year for them. I don't still don't think things are really going the way they really want them to. Right, and my counter to that would be Kansas City. Where do you put them within their own division? I mean, are we sure how good this team is? And Carolina pushing last week makes this a push category favorite for this week as well. It does, um, but Kansas City has to keep up in that division too, so almost every game for them is now you know, considered a must win. This is actually one of my games that you know, we'll get to in a little bit if I'm you know, okay. correct here. But yeah, I, I, I do think you're right with it being you know, on the money and close where it should be. I just don't know if I agree with the Panthers. Okay. So now talking NFL lines, week 10 with Anthony and Jermaine on the Money Mitch effect. It's time to go with your upset pick. I want to hear a dog that's going to cover up and win outright. Who is that this week? To build on what we were just talking about, Kansas City was actually one of mine. They are favored by three. I do think they get the win outright in Carolina. But I do have another one. Okay. Uh, my other one is the Minnesota Vikings. Ooh-hoo. For the bounce back, they go. finally get back on track and take care of Washington in Washington. Yeah, are we, I'm a little surprised at this line. I, <laughs> I know the Vikings have lost a few, but come on, we're really on the Redskins bandwagon now? Yeah. I, is, they, they tend to act a little irrational at times, and I think this is that. I don't trust Washington. I don't trust Jake, Jake Rudin. You know, everybody's really down on the Vikings now. They're on a three-game lose streak, losing streak. And I just think it, they definitely are going to bounce back this week. They're still a well-coached team with Zimmer, and I look for them to get this win outright. Take the two and a half points, or, you know, if you're feeling a little gutsy, take the money line. Okay. Well, I have two that I was looking at in addition to that. Okay. Can we just start with this? All right, I'll I'll save the second one for later. I'm going Denver and New Orleans to win this game. New Orleans is a three-point favorite. Denver's lost a couple games. The the competition has gotten a little better. New Orleans, a three-point favorite. I'm sorry. I'm not buying them as a legitimate threat. And I don't know if Denver will catch Oakland or even Kansas City within their division, but I know right now Denver's a better football team. And indoors, I know we like to give New Orleans that bump. 
But why did Oakland win? Why are teams having success? The pass rush, getting to the quarterback. New Orleans isn't going to do that. I like Denver here somewhat comfortably in a game that now we're getting to the point that they need to start having. At first, when I saw this line, I agreed with you, but now the line has moved from a one-point favorite, uh, a Saints one-point favorite to a three-point favorite. That's telling me a lot of sharp and pro money is coming in on the Saints, and they know something maybe we don't. But here's something to remember, too, is that Denver defense is is hobbled. They are. Um, And I just think New Orleans is hitting an offensive stride right now. And I... Yeah, I have to go with New Orleans on wow, this one. Wow, Well, here's what I'll say, too. New Orleans is hit an offensive stride, but a common theme of teams that have beaten the Broncos, getting the running game going. And the Saints are in the middle of a backfield crisis right now where Mark Ingram has been cast aside. They're riding the ghost of Tim Hightower at the moment. And it's worked for them last week. It has, but can we count on that? I mean, <laughs> the guy was, like, dead four years ago. I Googled if he was alive. <laughs> yeah, the end of last season, and now he's a starting running back for the Saints. Hey, so. him and Mark Ingram last week had uh, two. If you put Tim Hightower on one team and he put up those numbers and you put Mark Ingram on one team and he put up those numbers, that's great. But they both put up those big numbers on the same team. And just I know it was against the 49ers, but I don't know, man. I don't trust Trevor Simeon. He has been um, declining as the season goes on. He hasn't. Hasn't That's been fair. improving. I don't. If if Denver is down, that team is not built to come from behind. Yeah, but is I think we're overrating Denver's decline and underrating what Oakland did is doing as a team. That's a good team. That was a good win at home. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's just pump the brakes on Denver being bad and give more credit to Oakland being good. I think Denver. This is a game now. This will tell us a lot about Denver, but uh, I like the Broncos here. Fair enough. One more. This was my other choice. And this line, I can't believe, like, okay, Jacksonville at home is a favorite over anybody in 2016. How, like, what is happening? They have to win something. What, what, I hate, okay, Joe Crisali was on the show last week and said that same thing, and it didn't work at any of the, <laughs> any of the times he said that. The Jaguars are an abomination. Blake Bortles needs to play every game like he's down 20 points. They need to basically hypnotize him to be losing. And here's why I like the Texans in addition to that. They're your classic team this year that beats who they're supposed to and loses who they're supposed to. I think they beat Jacksonville somewhat handily here. I see them as a non-threat to any real contender. Out of my five teams that I like this weekend, Jacksonville is one of them. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I mean, I understand they have to win sometime, and there's a lot of funny pe- fun pieces on that offense, but... Mm-hmm. At some point, we just got to call it like it is, and this team has just been perennial chokers. And the worst, the most embarrassing performance of the season might have been early when they went to San Diego and just didn't show up. Oh, right. Was that Thursday night game? You no, know, it was a Sunday night Sunday game. Night. Yeah. Sunday afternoon in San Diego. Well, they, were, they were embarrassed against uh, during the, the Titans. Oh, yeah, Thursday. Titans they, didn't, exactly. they did not show up for that game either. Um, but no, it sounds like a good pick. No. But, <laughs> but here's this is the only reason I say this is because. When the percentages are so drastic for the number of tickets being sold on this game, when you only have 17% of action on one side and your line bumps up two points in the wrong direction, it's telling you something. There's a lot, a lot of pro money and sharp money going on Jacksonville. And follow the money trail, man. You're a big percentage guy. I am. I am. Not a numbers guy, but a percentage guy. I think Jacksonville could win this game, but look... It's hard for me. Bortles has a career record of not winning a game when he throws for over 300 yards, which is like a miracle, essentially. In this well, that's because year. it's always in garbage time. Yeah. It's always coming back. And, you know, if you play fantasy football, well, that's a nice garbage thing. time in all sense <laughs> of life, but we've got we've to call it. Like well, hey, listen, Jacksonville also got a new offensive coordinator. I know. I what feel happened, like I'm, I'm hitching my wagon to the what, rocket ship now. What happened, to, right what happened to that team in Detroit that got a new offensive uh, coordinator last Cooter. season? Yeah. Look who's the, uh, you know, Matt Stafford over in, in Detroit's having a phenomenal season this Wait, year. And one quick aside before we move on to other games. What Matt Stafford's doing, basically winning games that they're losing, all their wins have been tied or trailing in the fourth quarter. 
Is there a player that looks like he's got money on the game one way or the other more than Matt Stafford? <laughs> maybe Andrew Luck. Wait, okay, maybe Andrew Luck. That's fair. But Stafford, it's like he gets down, all right, we got a kid going. And he's, his mistakes come when they have the lead. So I don't – Yeah. Something's fishy there we might need to invest um, in. And I, just one more thing. I mean, do we really trust Houston, Bill O'Brien, and those guys, Brock, Brock Osweiler? I mean, it's not really no. drastic to think that they're going to lose in Jacksonville. Right. This goes back to my teams that don't have a home field advantage. There you go. Exactly. Jacksonville's another one. One, so. one. I think that the, if I remember correctly, the teams that have a 1.5 home field advantage as opposed to a three-point advantage would be uh, the Miami Dolphins, the Houston Texans, Jacksonville Jaguars, San and San Diego. <laughs> wow. So it's great. Just have some drinks in the pool. And, oh, there's a football <laughs> game going on. Yeah. Again. We're still talking NFL lines with Anthony and Jermaine on the Money Mitch Effect. I'll let you get into this one, because as a Philly guy, we talked about this line before we came on the air. Eagles-Falcons. It opened, Eagles, I think were a slight favorite. It got down to about a pick Now the Falcons are two-point favorites on the Crazy. road. Do you think this is a mistake? And, and ultimately, who do you like in this matchup? Well, I think I mentioned this last time I was on the show. What I like to do first before I look at percentages and, and line movement and all that stuff is... On Monday morning, I like to open up my Yahoo app and scroll the next week, the following week's games. And Yahoo has the spreads on their app, and I just like to read each one and see which one I'm the most taken back by. This worked well for me when the Eagles played the Vikings yeah. week seven. One of the worst first halves I've ever seen. I saw that the <laughs> Eagles yeah. were two and a half point dogs at home against an undefeated team coming off a of bye. And I remember the Vikings were 5-0 at this time. Red and, flag, though. Right. And I was like, that, you know, the Eagles had just lost to the Lions. They had just lost to the Redskins. This team has looked sloppy, you know, through national media. So it's just games like that that are very jarring to you. And this one is very jarring to me. As I was scrolling it on Monday, I said, wow, the Eagles – Again, they were one-point favorites when I first saw it, and that was, and I was like, "Oh, this is great!" I was like, "This means the Eagles are going to win." It was that jarring to me. You have the everybody loves the high-flying Atlanta Falcons offense. It's all it's talking about. Like Falcons are for yeah. real, and now I see this, and this was initially my favorite pick. And but then the sharp money came in and moved the line so far too. Uh, you know, when you go from a, you know, I saw it at minus one. And I Eagles. thought that was jarring. Right. The Eagles were at minus one, and I thought that was jarring. But the line actually opened at minus two and a half. Mm. And now it's plus two and a half. Oof. That's a huge swing. This actually happened, if I recall correctly, when Michael Vick was on the Eagles and Atlanta came into town. It was, it was almost identical. I remember the Eagles were a three-point, two-and-a-half-point favorite, and it swung all the way to plus three by game time. And wow. the Atlanta Falcons whooped up on the Eagles. Oh. Mm. So... History says stay away. So I think I think that's where you're leaning is stay away on this one. Right. When, when, when there's such a drastic swing in the line, you know, three points, I tend to stay away. You mentioned the red flag. I think college football, you, when you see an unranked team. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean. My, that's another <laughs> that's thing. I'll a, do the same thing yeah. on, on my app. I'll go to um, top 25. Yeah. And right away, I'll just see ranked versus unranked teams. And anytime there's an unranked team favorite, I mean – not an, if there's an unranked team favorite over like you know 20s. ranked number twenty five, yeah. then there's no red flag. But when you see it, top you know number ten ranked, whoever. Last year was the Utah USC game. I remember that vividly. Mm-hmm. Utah was three at USC. USC favored by five points. They won by about fifteen. Right. Do you wait though on that case? Do you wait until you see what the smart money's done, or do you just jump on it right away? I, I usually wait till Friday night if the yeah. game's on Saturday, um, or that morning actually, just just to see. But right. a lot of times. What will happen is, say, an unranked team is favored by three, and you know the ranked team is mm-hmm. getting points. A lot of times, I'll wake up that morning an hour before the game starts, and all of a sudden, now the unranked team is ranked is minus four, and you know you kind of lose value at that point. And then at that point, if it's moved that much, you really still want to take it. Right, uh, makes sense. Well, getting back to the uh, this year's Atlanta Philly game, I think the biggest problem with these Philly lines, in my opinion, as a bystander, sometimes innocent, the <laughs> Eagles have been blowing a lot of their games in the last drive. Mm-hmm. That's not exactly a good thing when you bet on the team that they're, because they're right there. Like, look at the Lions game, turnover, score, turnover again. Right. 
Giants game, they could have won down the stretch. The, the Redskins game, they were right in. You wonder if they, they're going to make enough plays to get, put themselves in a position. If they lose up the chance, history says they're not going to be on the favorable end of the line. But the Falcons are notorious for blowing games, so this might be a true stay away. They, they won't beat Green Bay this year, but their history says that they're kind of choked second half of the season. Right. I you know, And another thing, I just I don't trust this Eagles coach. Peterson. He's Ooh. been making a lot of boneheaded calls. By <laughs> There was two fourth down. I think they were on the 20. They were in the red zone regardless, and there was two fourth and short decisions where they decided to go for it and didn't get it, which that was six points that they left, you know, off the table so or on the table. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy, he's showing that he's a rookie head coach right now, and they're just not making – they're not protecting the ball. They don't have playmakers. I just don't trust them. The Falcons just seem so easy also that I just – I can't – I cannot yeah. tell anybody to take this game. No. I'm not taking this no game. No advice. It's a stay away. Yeah. I think, too – I mean, it's the post-Chip Kelly fight. It's the second time we've worked him into the show. I think everybody <laughs> liked Doug Peterson a lot more because he's not Chip Kelly. Yeah. And that's starting to wear off a little bit as you see him coach. Right. More lines with Anthony and Jermaine on the Money Mitch effect before we wrap this up. Uh, we'll, a couple flybys for the ones we're not going to cover. Oh, congratulations, Jameis Winston. You're an underdog at home against the Chicago Bears. So great, great start <laughs> to your career. Stay away from that. <laughs> that's good. And uh, Jets-Rams, wow. I mean, I, Can I, Jets two-point favorites over the Rams at home. Two-point favorites with whatever their quarterback situation is. Yeah. As Jeff Fisher strives to set the all-time loss record as a head Believe coach. it or not, if I had to take this game, I would take the Rams, but not touching this one. Um, can I just say the most bizarre line of yeah, the week? Oh, we haven't week? covered it yet. Most bizarre line, I have to say, is the Tennessee Titans. Ooh. Plus now, two and a half I'm, at home have, against the Green Bay I might Bay. have to disagree with you on this one. Because what are we saying here? That the Titans should not be favored over the Packers? Is no. that how you're looking at it? Right. Green Bay lost to the Colts, who have about three and a half talented players on their roster at Lambeau Field. <laughs> so, and it wasn't even a close game. The Packers made it close late. So look, I'm with you. The Titans are not that good. Mariota's pretty much... Mariota looks great, but he's having to do too much on his own. Mm -hmm. This is a weird game. Green Bay probably deserves to be a slight favorite. This reminds me of the Jacksonville game week one, where Green Bay came in on the road and won a game that was fairly competitive. I I think this is going to be a one-score game that Green Bay wins. Yeah, you're probably right. Green Bay is a slight favorite, by the way. I just... I still think... If you look at each of these teams, I, I understand the Colts comparison, but they're the Titans. Yeah. And the Tennessee oh, so Titans. True. Green Bay hey, is... Cole re- Rush got that momentum. You know, <laughs> Green Bay is the number one rush-stopping defense in the NFL, and I think Tennessee predicates their whole offense based on the run. DeMarco Murray is, what, top three, top five mm-hmm. running back in the league right now in yeah. rushing yards. That's their strength. If you have to rely on Mariota to throw the ball, I don't think they're going to win this game. I think Green Bay wins this... Seven or more points, to be honest. Okay. I I want to agree with you. I really do. I I want to see this talented Packers team get somewhere close to their stride. But, wow, the NFC North really did turn into the AFC South, and here we go. <laughs> we have uh, two teams that could be in the playoffs playing in a throwaway game. And, Green, Bay, and Green Bay's, um, I think they're getting James Starks back, a, you know, oh. a real running back. <laughs> At least he's a running But, yeah. you know, and Ty Montgomery was on a snap count last week, and he's actually – no Cobb. Right, yeah. and you know the times Montgomery did get the ball, he ripped off a couple runs. He had he had, he had two mm-hmm. seventeen yard runs, I think. So yeah, hey man, if they get their Green Bay gets their running game going, it will open up the rest of their offense, and I think they take care of the Titans this week. We'll call that one the uh, degenerate special in, uh, in, <laughs> the, in the, the degenerate special is Jacksonville, Houston. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and basically, the AFC South turned into a degenerate division. All right. Before we wrap this up, we'll do the primetime game Sunday and Monday night. Second biggest line of the weekend. We're going to throw away that TNF game. But the second biggest line of the weekend at the moment is New England. Seven and a half point favorites over Seattle in Foxborough. I thought about it. I thought about a team with only two losses coming in, you know, with a championship pedigree. To play a good team in the Patriots, obviously, probably the best in the league. The more I think about it, I don't know that Seattle's that good, and I like this line, and I'm leaning New England to cover. Again, I have to disagree with okay. you. Okay. <laughs> this is this is Seattle Seahawks. Anytime Seattle 
can get seven points or more. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Seattle all, all day, right. every day. I don't. The line has moved in New England's favorite. 89% of the action is on New England. It has gone from seven to seven and a half. That's a normal movement. But seven and a half scary because that's the backdoor cover special. You've opened up Pandora's box to a team down fourteen. Well, you can throwing it. Yeah, you could take Seattle yeah. right now plus seven and a half, and that's what I love. This is a Pete Carroll coach team. Things tend to go Seattle's way. This game's. <laughs> oh, you think so? This, I, I, I just think things are gonna go. This is gonna be a close game. Yeah, kickers are fair game now, so that works for Seattle's favor. This game's gonna be close. They're gonna be getting Cam Chancellor back this week. And we'll see, man. I think it's going to be a close, hard-fought game, and okay. I, I just would take the points in this let's, case. Let's just talk about Seattle's offense for one second. What do you think their strengths are right now? Negative? or No, what, what are they good at doing? Because I'm seeing a team that has struggles on the line, can't really run the football. Russell Wilson is a little banged up. He's running around for his life. The receivers are just okay. I, I, I'm sorry, but if New England gets – I think Seattle can cover this and win the game if it's about 17-13. But I think New England starts scoring points. I don't know how Seattle. Seattle's strikes on offense is Russell Wilson. Yeah. His ability to extend the extend the play and make plays happen. But their their strength is their defense. And I, like I said, they're getting Cam Chancellor back, which is huge for that team. I know there's reports that Deion Lewis might be returning this week, but I honestly I don't think uh, he doesn't scare me. And if he does return off the IR, I don't think they're going to play him as much anyway. But it's just Seattle, man. They're always in. They always have a chance. They're always in it. They're always there at the end, regardless yeah. if they win or lose. And that's just a lot of points, I think. Yeah. No, I. It, it's a fair assessment. I just can't find myself picking against Brady, Gronk, Belichick, and McDaniel's are basically outsmarting teams now. Mm-hmm. The way the league's gone, the way te- there's a lot of mediocre football, they don't even need to get by on talent anymore, which is a scary thing. And I think. Look, I think the defense, as great as it is, isn't as good as it was. Yeah, you think you get outsmart Pistol Pete? <laughs> Pistol Pete is, is, a, yeah. is a sharp. Uh, he's a sharp guy. You know, yeah. unless sanctions come down, then he's you know, see you later. <laughs> but, uh, no, I no, I have all the respect in the world for this team, but New England Foxborough at home, I like them to win this one. And the Buffalo game was a very interesting one to me. Seattle showed a lot of heart winning that game. But their defense bent a little bit towards the end of it. I think we're looking in that New England's going to win in that 6-10 to 10 point range. You know, so. And then lastly, the Monday night game, Giants and Bengals. Now, I don't know what line you're looking at right now, Anthony, but I see a pick right now on mm-hmm. Monday Night Football in New York. Giants and Bengals. This is, you always like pick This is a true pick here. I'll let you go first. What strikes you about this line and who you ultimately go with? I don't think anything really strikes me about this line. I mean, the, it looks like the Giants opened up as a two- or three-point favorite, depending on which book you use. But, I mean, right there, that's just your home field advantage. So mm-hmm. now that it's moved to a pick, that's telling me that Cincy is really the favorite here. And I like Cincinnati. I don't trust the Giants. I don't trust Ben McAdoo, <laughs> coach team. Weekend at Bernie's. I know they beat. Yeah, it's a lot of things. I know they beat the Eagles last week, but the Giants are just an inconsistent team. I don't. I just don't believe now their defense is you know getting a lot better. So I I look for this game to actually be some somewhat low scoring, but I can see I see I see the Cincinnati Bengals pulling this one out. I mean, I'd hope that they're getting some return on investment for all the money they spent in free agency yeah. and defense. I agree with you. I like the Bengals. I think they've been an underachieving team all year. Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head in this regard. Giants are an inconsistent team. So I love going against them after a win. It's great. I think that when did the Giants play their best? When their back's up against the wall and they have to win and they're coming off just a horrible performance. Mm-hmm. Since he comes in Monday, they're feeling a little good. I, I like the Bengals here. I like A.J. Green against any secondary, but I think he can have a field day against the giant quarterbacks. I really do. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and what's since he's been an underperforming team as well this year, what's their record? In they have that, a tie in there. <laughs> right. That, I mean, 4-4-1? Four, four no, yeah, this week 10, so it's 3-4. That division yeah. is, is falling apart. Um, oh, but, yeah. Yeah, they're 3-4-1. and one. And you know what? They're still in the race in their division, right? I mean... Yeah, they, the, they are. Now, the one thing that I think is going to help the Bengals this week, Anthony, is the fact that they, 
the Giants can't run the football. <laughs> so I, I think they'll right. not have to worry about a, a dual threat team mm-hmm. at home pushing them around. You know, it is a primetime game. I still think I like Beckham a lot. I still think he can get in his head, and Cincinnati is notorious for being agitated. So I think this is a game where a I'm interested to see how this is called. What kind of officiating we have? Do we have an officiating crew that's going to be strict, call everything, or are they going to let stuff go? If they let stuff go, Giants are going to be in trouble because Beckham can't handle when people get in his head. That's a great point. You know, I didn't really even think about that. Cincinnati's defense is notorious for getting under any team's Skin, you know, if you look back to that Pittsburgh playoff game, I mean, last year to twisting ankles and talking trash, right? For four so, years. Uh, I, you know, I, I wouldn't surprise me if it's in their game plan to actually, you know, go <laughs> after Beckham's temper. So, yeah, I have to agree with you on that for sure. All right, we're both on the Bengals train for week 10. 10 weeks in, Anthony Jermaine, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch effect. And just so you are welcome going forward, but we're going to have to start seeing some returns on uh, these predictions. Hey, let's let's pull up the <laughs> tape from last time and see. Uh, pretty <laughs> okay. sure I only got one roll. That's good. Oh, one coming, with, coming with facts. I like it. Well, <laughs> thanks again. We'll have you back sometime soon for sure. Absolutely. It was great. Big, big thanks to George Pinozian and Anthony Germain wrapping up our third and final show of the week. It was a busy week. I thank them. I thank all of you for listening. You can listen to The Money Mitch Effect as always on iTunes, Google Play and SoundCloud. Follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21 and if the world's got you down if you're not happy with the uh, current events in the week it's alright. Sports is always here. I'm always here to talk sports and try to add some entertainment in the lives of many. More big shows planned for you next week on the Money Mitch Effect. We have more NFL talk, some pop culture even, and we'll dive into the arts as well. This is going to be a busy week. We're going to try to pump out three more shows for your listening pleasure. Once again, I am Money Mitch, Mitch Michaels. Thank you for listening to the program. Tell a friend, subscribe, do whatever it takes, but above all else, just be you. Enjoy yourself.